Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So we are here live, in person, in my hotel room in California. Well, we're live to ourselves, not to you, sorry. Anyway, so uh, WBDC, uh, we're, we're here recording the very last day of it on Friday, so we can kind of get an idea of what the whole week was like, get you know more info on a lot of the sessions and everything. And what we decided to do for the format here, since there's so much to cover, is that we're going to cover approximately one, maybe two uh, platforms or top or major topics per week for the next few weeks until we get through it. So we're going to start today with watchOS and what's new in watchOS 3 and what that might mean for watch developers because it seemed like you know a waste not to when we have like the world leader in watch development right here with David here. So Dave, what do you think of watchOS 3 and, and what is different? And I guess we can start with like you know, high level overview and then like, you know, maybe move into what you think you can do now that you couldn't do before and how this might change the business of watch apps. Sure. Because it is an interesting thing this week to, for the first time, have come to a WWDC and not feel like I could reasonably address all of the things that they were talking about. Like usually I'd come and it'd be like everything that isn't game related, I'd try and be aware of. But there's so many platforms and so many things going on right now that... It really wasn't possible. And so this week, I've just been doing all watch all the time, essentially. And as I've dug into this over watching sessions and labs, there is a, like, Watch Watch 3 is the, it seems like it seems like it might even be the only platform this year that is radically different, like, in a way that is significant and tangible and kind of amazing that what they're able to do, these huge improvements... Um, on exactly the same hardware. Like, I'm currently wearing two watches, which is completely absurd, but... Totally rocking it. (laughs) You know, with a a watchOS 3 on one wrist and a watchOS 2 on the other. And it works. Like, in the keynote, when Federici shows his, like, kind of like, ha-ha, old watchOS 2 apps were so slow, look at the spinner, (laughs) but now look at watchOS 3. It launches immediately. And it's good, maybe it's a good sort of, like, applause line, but I was very skeptical that that would actually be the case that I would, if I, if, you know, I'd go download the beta and it would be kind of janky and it wouldn't quite work. Turns out it works exactly like they said. And I think it's because they're being very clever about the way they're solving this. Um, rather than like, it's, it, what they're doing is basically just saying we have extra capacity on the compute and memory and energy side that after having a, having watchOS be out in the world for a little over a year now, we understand what our constraints are there more concisely. And so we're going to be able to take that and turn it into better performance and do it in a way that is really user-focused because if you add a, an application as a comp- to the complication screen on your watch, that application is like the king. It gets all the best treatment. It can do all kinds of things in the background and will perform incredibly well. If you put it in the dock, um, which set, you know, so you say, hey, this is an app that I th- I, is important to me that I think I will want to reference frequently, then you don't, you're, not, you're not the king anymore. Maybe you're like the jack of spades. But you kind of used to get a lot of special treatment. And if you're in neither of those places, you're just a, like a peon. You'll have... You'll have you're like ins- a six of clubs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's, you'll, you'll have a... Ten- and if you try and launch one of those apps, like if, if on my watchOS 2 app, I launch, watch, I try and 
launch you know one of these one of like an old app on watch os3 that isn't in the dock or the or a complication it's just like the old one i mean it may even be slightly worse i think in some ways because it seems like it's pulling resources directly and explicitly for the dock and complication apps but who cares because if it's not an important enough app to be in your on your on your watch face or in your dock you probably don't care it's probably just got automatically installed behind your back from the app store and that seems like a pretty good compromise for them to take so i'm pretty excited for it as a platform going forward to be able to make apps that actually work because as best as i've tried to put a good face on watch os 1 and watch os 2 they really i always felt like i was shipping something that wasn't good it was always like barely works kind of hacky hopefully sufficient but never good and now it's nice to feel like i'm actually going to be able to do that yeah, I mean, this. I think they they made changes here to reflect the way people actually use their watch. You know, now they've had time to to release this product, see it in the market, to see things like okay, well, the whole like digital touch circle of friends thing is not really you know setting the world on fire, and probably does not justify it. The the only you know one of the two hardware buttons on the watch being devoted solely to it, um, and so they made changes there. And I think they also recognized that you know when they designed the watch, they, they designed it almost to be just like a mini iPhone. And so they, it's like, okay, well, you're going to have lots of apps in this thing. You're going to be bouncing between apps all the time and have you know tons of different little apps. And I think the reality is most people who I've talked to who use the watch, and, and when I use the watch, uh, it, was, it was this way as well, most people use a very small number of apps on any kind of regular basis. You know, talking, you know, two or three, uh, you know, maybe at most, you know, of, of third-party apps plus, plus maybe a couple Apple built-in features. But, you know, you're talking like a very small number and many people never went past the complications on their face like as you know like i don't i don't know any watch owner who routinely goes back to the honeycomb screen and like picks from 40 apps that are on there like that that just isn't how people use it and so they it seems like they have shifted from that initial guess of how the watch would be used to the way people actually use it using very few apps and have really optimized for that so now it's like okay well if if you're only going to be using two or three third party apps on a regular basis we're going to actually make those really good and and keep those in memory. And and side note, there was um, uh, on on the talk show with John Gruber this week that they did live here uh, with with guests Phil and Craig. Uh, Craig Federighi did a really good job of explaining this decision, basically, uh, of like you know how how they managed to pull this off with WatchOS. And the short version is basically what you said. It's like they basically like they overshot their their uh, their battery budget. Like they they dramatically overshot like on on the conservation side before and and so he basically what he basically said was like we had extra battery and ram and so we decided to spend that battery and ram making watch apps really awesome and uh because we could you know so i think what we're going to see from this is people with the apple watch running os3 are going to most likely see lower battery life than what they saw before if they're if they're making use of these new like keep apps in memory kind of kind of usage patterns but I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, you're a watch power user, obviously. Like when I used the watch, I was I would finish most days with fifty percent battery left. Oh sure, and I mean, I even beyond that, like I wear my watch probably twenty three hours a day. Oh, that's right. And, and I have <laughs> for um, a little over a year now. Ever since I started working on Sleep Plus Plus, where like if you wear a sleep, if you want to use your Apple Watch as a sleep tracker, which you know I recommend, you <laughs> need to wear it. You know, both during the night and during the day. And 
I've been able to do that without really changing my habits too much. That all it really means is is that I when I get you know when I'm getting ready in the morning, like when I'm taking a shower, when I'm getting dressed, etc. I always take my, whenever my watch is off, it'll immediately go on charge rather than just like sitting on my bedside table, which is fine. And similarly in the evening, when I'm sort of getting ready for bed, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm doing those types of things, I'll again put it on charge. And it means that I'm charging my watch for maybe an hour a day at most. And a lot of times it's even less than that. But I was still having plenty of, um, you know, plenty of battery to get through the day. It was very rare that I would run into uh, battery problems, but it does happen, certainly. But in general, I think there's a lot of budget there. And the reality, too, is I think I would, there's a, I would, I would not be at all surprised if even with these very aggressive things that they're doing, that they will actually end up being more, in some ways, battery neutral because they're not having to relaunch um, the apps completely every single time you go to it like i'm sure there's it's it's a you know like it's definitely a scale and but if i would not be at all surprised if at the end of this they could say you know we do all this great stuff and as long as the apps that are in your complica- that are your complications and are in your dock are being good citizens and it sounds like they have a bunch of stuff in watchOS 3 that is going to enforce good citizenship which i was kind of glad to see where if you do are too aggressive on the CPU when you're doing your background app refreshes, they'll just kill you. And you'll get a nice like report in Xcode about exactly why they did that. But it's they're being very careful to say, if you're a good citizen and you're taking advantage of all these new APIs, ultimately battery life may end up being about the same. Maybe it's marginally worse. But the reality is it goes from apps being kind of maybe slightly useful to being actually and practically useful that that's a very easy trade-off, I think, to convince a customer on. And to convince developers to, to write for it in the first place. I mean, like, my my Overcast watch app is still WatchKit 1. Sure. Because WatchKit 1 was enough of a slog to get through and to try to make something that, that was good and functional. And honestly, I don't believe I, I even achieved that. Uh, and and, uh, and my usage reflects it. You know, my, my WatchKit app is very low usage. And, I, and part of that is because... Uh, it, you know, it's hard to use, and part of that is because I never updated it to Watch OS two. And the reason I didn't update it to Watch OS two was that it was like, well, here's a bunch more work I'm going to have to do, and it doesn't really seem worth it because the resulting app on Watch OS two is still not that compelling. It's still, it, you know, it still wouldn't be that great, and it would be, you know, a good amount of work. So I decided to wait, and you know, I'll see when Watch OS three comes out. Like, you know, then I'll probably just rewrite it for that. And boy, am I glad I waited. Oh sure, because it is. It it seems like a no brainer. Like. If if you have any business being on the watch at all, rewriting for OS three is going to be a really good idea. Sure, and even just some on, on the policy side, they've made some changes that I think make it more compelling. Like first, so for example, one of the things they've said now is uh, before they said you should never be a, like don't make a complication unless you have timely, useful information to be displaying on the watch face. That was like used to be the the policy decision. Whereas now, like in a WWDC session, they said, every, if, if your app can, it probably should have a complication, even just to launch it. So, for ex- like having an overcast complication whose purpose is just to start and adjust playback makes it a lot more compelling as a thing where I know for myself, one of the most useful, one of the most common things I'll use my watch for beyond just like its fitness tracking passively when I'm actively using it, I'm often using it for the now playing complication, mm-hmm. which is now not a 
or sorry, the not playing glance, which is now, you know, something that you can put in the dock. But if instead of having to open the dock and go to it, if I can just tap a button and then immediately, because it's one of my complications, so it's primed and ready and, re- and fresh, you know, a, a, the Overcast app pops up and I can control playback there. It's a much more compelling use case because I think the thing that was difficult to something like the the you know the old uh, Overcast app is you'd have to, in order to launch it you'd have to go this is like you tap the crown fly around in the honeycomb for a while <laughs> tap it wait two or three seconds for it to launch if you're lucky and then you'd get to do something and that's just not like it, that, that, that's not better than just pulling out my phone swiping exactly. it, swiping up activating the control center and doing whatever I want to do there. And so I think there's going to be a lot of applications where if you can, if there is a two second action that would be useful for your application, if there's something that a user might want to do that, and Apple has said this many, many, many times this week, it's like if you, if you are building an app that someone can't do its core functionality in two, like two or three seconds, you're doing it wrong. Like they very clearly are saying, and they've actually been changing a lot of their own apps to reflect this. Like the stock app in watchOS 2 had all this information and you could be like paging through like the 52 week high and low and all the stuff that in many ways is not really, doesn't really fit on a watch. Like if you want to go and do historical stock metrics, like maybe use your phone or a Mac or something. Yeah. Use anything else besides this thing you have to hold your arm up and look on a two-inch screen to see. <laughs> exactly. And so now their watch app, they just like they took out functionality. And I think that is something that a lot of if you like I'm trying to filter my apps through it as I'm thinking about them is are there any things that I can strip out to make it more streamlined, to make it more straightforwardly exactly what someone would want to do in two or three seconds. And I think if you can, that's a really strong use case now. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, for like for Overcast, I, you know, I already was had redesigned it once to be, you know, to take it from like this like mini iPhone app with this tr- with this tree navigation, you know, that many of us tried it you know, initially. I'd already redesigned it to take it from that down to what is basically a single screen with like a, a menu to do a little bit more stuff. And I'm thinking with the watchOS 3 version, whatever I do there, I haven't really sketched it out yet, but whatever I do there, I'm thinking I might even reduce it even further because I, I, I recently added analytics to, to my watch app to see, you know, just like how often people are using it, how often people actually like invoke commands on it and which ones get the most use. So like, are people actually going in and like editing their playlist to edit what's next, which is how I kind of designed that, that second version. And the answer basically is no. Like nobody's really doing that. Uh, it's it's close enough to zero that it's probably not even worth having anymore. Uh, and so I'm going to completely rethink the app again for OS three. And like you know what's what is the what what is the best way to use the watch? And I think you you're right. Like and, and obviously Apple said this. Anything that takes more than about two or three seconds, like you're you're better off using your phone for that. And so you know it's basically going to be really nice to have like a, a basically an advanced now playing screen. Exactly, but I don't think it needs to be much more than that, and and that will also you know help keep me motivated to keep it updated and and everything else and you know a really important uh, other side of this that goes beyond you know my my single app and talking about that is that because apps are now on the watch apps are now going to be good at least we think you know you, it, it seems like I would say yeah. I'm pretty confident at this point that somehow magically Apple has pulled this rabbit out of a hat of the exact same watch hardware is going to feel and perform in a really compelling way 
be by rather than having to wait until the next hardware, which exactly. as a developer, I think would have been really discouraging if I could still had to support what felt like a bro- kind of a broken old legacy platform and then also be providing taking advantage of the new stuff for my new the people with the new watch. That would have been a really hard sell. But I think now it's like everybody who has a watch is going to have a good experience. And presumably this fall, there'll be a better watch that will be able to do more and be better. But the baseline is going to be pretty good just for everybody. Yeah. And, and that, will, that will help everybody. That will help users. That'll help Apple. It'll sell more watches. And then it'll definitely help developers because, you know, the, the story with, with watch OS 1 and 2 was basically like, yeah, you know, this, this watch we have is kind of cool, but developers, you, you basically can't do much with it because everything you do sucks. Like, like there's, it's not possible to do anything good on watchOS 1 and 2 for, for third-party developers for the most part. And now it's possible, like, and, and not only possible, but it seems like it might not even be very hard to do stuff that's useful and decent and worth doing besides just taking your phone out. And that's huge for developers because now this is a place where we can do business. This is a place where we can make compelling apps and and you know have have real real sales here, real business. I mean, you know, paid and free aside, you know, for this moment, like this is a place where we can make compelling apps now, and and I think probably for the first time we can say that. And I, yeah, it's it's entirely that. I don't think like some of, some of my apps are entirely watch focused. Like I make an app, you know, like Sleepless Plus is it is completely useless unless you have a watch, and so it's entirely dependent on it being a compelling thing. And the number of times that I get feedback back from people who don't, it's just like, it just wasn't worth it for them to use. Like they like the concept. They wish they could track their sleep with their watch, but it's awkward or cumbersome or like the last thing they want to do when they're getting into bed is be like staring at a spinner for four four or five seconds. (laughs) Right. Because like what they're about to do is like, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. They want it to work right exactly at that moment. Um, And so if we can now actually do that, that's a much more compelling use case for somebody. And I think ultimately it will keep them in the apps, which, you know, from a business side of thing, that's the thing that makes it more compelling to be able to like talk to their friends and tell other people about it or be excited about it in general is it worked like, Hey, look, this is what I did. And they're not frustrated with it. They're not, it's not, doesn't have this negativity associated with it, which I think it might do now. Yeah. All right. We are sponsored this week by our friends at, Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash radar. You get a 14-day free trial, and when you enter offer code radar at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site by offering powerful, easy-to-use monitoring tools and services. Now, if you're a Pingdom user, you can monitor the availability and performance of your server, database, service, or website, and it's all a breeze. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. And you can do basic checks like just see, is it up? You can also do things like, is this string present on the page? You can have it send cookies and do logins and everything. It's very advanced. I've personally used Pingdom since 2007. You use it too, right, Dave? I do. Yeah, I've been using it for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a great service. We've used it since long before they became a sponsor. And uh, I, I will not, you know, I have no reason to ever look around for other monitoring services since 2007 because they're that good. Look, you know, stuff on the internet breaks all the time. You need to know, you need to know about it quickly. Pingdom can, can alert you like within a minute of stuff going down because the last thing you want is for somebody on Twitter to be telling you, hey, by the way, your website's been down for the last four hours. Like you don't want to learn about it that way. You want to learn about it first from Pingdom so you can fix it before it becomes a bigger problem and before too many people see it. 
All they need to, you know, you just give them a URL, give them, a, you know, an optional search string, optional conditions, and then tell them how you want it to be alerted. You can be alerted via text message, push notification, email, all sorts of fun stuff. It's great. I love Pingdom. Check it out today. Go to pingdom.com slash radar and use offer code radar to get 20% off at checkout and you get a 14-day free trial. Thanks a lot to Pingdom for sponsoring our show. Now that apps have the ability to both be good and for complications to also be good and for complications to then launch you right into an app, it seems like this is a really good opportunity for for people to to make like specialty watches almost. Like if I want to have like an overcast watch, you know, like conceptually, like I now have the ability, if I wanted to make like a big overcast complication and have that take up like a third of the screen on the watch. Watch face you mean. No, I'm talking I, about like uh, well, I mean, you know, the watch face is a different thing. Sure. That I mean, that I guess that's how that's how more sane people will do it. <laughs> and that's probably how Apple wants you to do it. But like for me it's like, oh, the watch isn't very useful because I don't do, you know, function x y or z on it. Sure. But it's like, oh, but I if I happen to have like one or two apps that I really love, I can basically turn the watch into like a device of that type. Uh because, you know, if if the complication's always there and the complication API has been improved now so that you can make more useful complications that are you know more more functional that can, that can get updated more and in different conditions uh, you know if that you have that possibility and then like if I can like tap that and be immediately in an overcast screen and then when I look back at my watch again within eight minutes I'm still on that overcast screen like that to me is very compelling as a user and as a developer because like there there are things that I can make that before would be way less compelling and now like it it basically opens up third-party apps to to take over more of the experience and to be more like a first-class citizen which is kind of a theme we saw in a lot of um in a lot of wbc on all the platforms this year but but on the watch i think the difference is most striking oh sure and there is i think there's definitely a lot of things they're doing to de-emphasize them yeah which is like you said a a pattern we've seen many times this week where if they're deprioritizing apple's stuff at the at the benefit of third-party things Mm -hmm. so like you said you they're now making it used to only be if you were a workout app would you still be on the screen if the user put their wrist down and raised it a couple minutes later which is reasonable in some ways that you could say oh i want to make sure i you know they always see the time as like it's a reasonable experience but it loses the sense of context that the user like the, the time that the user is most likely going to want to do something is probably shortly after they've done it once before like in, in your in your example it's the kind of thing where you can imagine i'm going i'm doing something like i'm going for a walk mm-hmm. maybe it isn't that i want to have a working uh, a walking workout necessarily um maybe i'm just walking around during my day-to-day life but if i'm actively listening to a podcast i'm still probably going to be actively listening to a podcast 8 minutes later and so having every time i, r- I raise my wrist not even having to do anything to be able to have that same functionality is great. And it means that, you know, fair enough, you have to now be a bit more thoughtful about how you design your apps, knowing that they'll be lingering around longer. I mean, it's in some ways, it reminds me of when Apple changed the behavior of iOS apps such that when you hit home, you weren't terminated anymore. Right. Like, it used to be one of these... Like, I remember this... I'd run into this with some apps where they weren't doing clever things to clean up between launches. And so they were relying on the fact that every time you hit home, the app would be killed and it would be restarted. 
you have to be thoughtful if your app is now going to be much more long running and persistent to make sure that you're doing that kind of state management yourself to say, you know, and there's some good stuff in watchOS for helping with this, but it's understanding that if a user, say, was in a detail view of your app, at a certain point, they want to stay there, like for that, for that initial period, if they're, constant, if they're going back and forth quickly. After a little while, they might need want to be kicked back one level, mm-hmm. for example. And then at, at, a, at a certain point, they'll probably want to go all the way back and be in sort of the default mode of your application. And these are things that we, ha- we can do now, that we can actually be, make those kind of conscious choices that, like as an example, like in Overcast, right? If, 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 I was in a, if you had some kind of detail view and I'm looking at it and then you know that they've that detail view, like the episode that they were looking at the, the information for, they've since started playing another episode. Right. Like you, they, it, it's not relevant to them anymore to, yeah. be, to looking at the old show. So you probably pop back and, or at potentially even go to the like start showing that the detail screen be relevant for whatever they're listening to now and that's i think the thing that over and over again as i think of of what they're doing here is that there is just so much um intelligence that i can actually build into my applications now that because i have the ability to be woken up and be running on this regular basis that i'm not having to do this kind of crazy i'm launched and then I need to just like freak out for three seconds and work <laughs> out what's going on, where am I, what's right. the user doing. It's like, no, I'm just keeping track on an ongoing basis of what they're doing, where they are, what they have been doing. And I'm able to adapt in a really, with much more finesse than this kind of, like the worst thing on watchOS 2 is when you'd launch an app and it would launch and then it would suddenly like a few seconds later, like radically change. Right, or something right. big would happen because that's how long it took for the app to realize what was going on, what was relevant. Yeah, the stale data like popping out and yeah. Sure, exactly. And it's like, or you'd see like, for, for like a lot of my fitness trackers, you'd see like, it, it would show yesterday's data um, for a while. And then when it wakes up, it's like it shows yesterday's data, yesterday's data, today's data. Right, right. And that's just confusing. Whereas now it'll be updated probably every you know, 15, 20 minutes throughout the day. And so I won't have that situation where I'll ever be showing yesterday's data because at midnight or at worst at 12.15, it'll switch over to be showing the new day's data, which is a much better experience. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I could not be happier to see this. Like, And, you know, even though... I haven't personally been using the watch myself recently. Sorry, I've been wearing two just to offset yeah, the, uh, there you the, go. the balance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you, you totally you, you're you're holding up for both of us. Um, you know, like I even though I'm not like a watch wearer right now, I I think I'm very excited to see this uh, as a developer, and especially as a developer of a media playback app. Like that's one of the things that is compelling to control on the watch. Um, and even, you know, even as usual, like as you mentioned, like you know, maybe I'll start wearing the Apple Watch when I go out for walks or when I go shopping because you know, shopping lists are a thing I use and. Like doing shopping lists before on the watch was horrible, yeah. And and now like through all these all these changes, it'll be way faster. It'll you know it'll it'll stay on screen for the eight minutes thing. Like it'll you know it'll be so much better now. Um, but you know I'm I'm looking forward to this. I, I I'm very encouraged to see that Apple was willing to change course on a number of these things so so uh, severely really, and were able to make such seemingly massive improvements without new hardware and we're and we're even still in beta one you know this could even get better throughout the summer and it probably will so this i'm i'm just very encouraged to see this and i 
I'm most looking forward to the changes on watchOS for, and as a developer for, for my future business and, and possible future usage of the Apple Watch. Exactly. And it's a really nice thing to see the humility that Apple has in showing that of, yeah, we didn't get it quite right. Let's do it again. Because we we're, and it seems I think it shows a lot of commitment to the platform, which is encouraging and useful. Exactly. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We will be continuing in future weeks, as we said, with uh, some other things from the conference, and as we learn more with looking through documentation and everything, uh, and and playing with these new APIs and using them not on our primary phones. Everyone, don't use it on your primary phone. No, no, no. <laughs> and don't use it on your primary watch either, because you have to upgrade your primary phone to do it. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, everybody wear two watches like like David here, and uh, and do it that way if you want to see it. Uh, it's going to be a fun summer i think i'm looking forward to uh, see what we have so thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you next week bye